Hey everybody, normally the theme song would go right here, but this is Nick Wickley. Wanted to let you guys know that something odd happened uh, during the recording of this episode uh, with the audio recording, so you're going to hear a little bit of a scratchiness just constantly throughout the episode. I tried to mitigate it as best as possible, and I think I, I did as good as I could, but it is kind of ingrained into the recording, unfortunately. But this is still a very fun episode with me and Kenny talking about the Cannonball Run, so I hope that it doesn't detract too much from the content, and I hope you can still enjoy this episode of the Bonzilla Podcast. <laughs> You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is an ongoing analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, a special guest joins us to take a look at a wild 80s comedy with Roger Moore playing himself. It's 1981's The Cannonball Run. James Bond. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Bondzilla Presents. I am Nick. I didn't know if I was introducing myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. So, okay. uh, uh, no Will this week. Will is uh, taking a little uh, sabbatical. Just was not available for recording in the second half of this month. So, for the first time ever on a mainline episode, we do have a guest. So, we have a returning guest, Kenny. So, thanks again for joining us, Kenny. Yeah, happy to be back. The last time was a blast going over the music of James Bond. Which, yes. If anyone hasn't heard that, great episode, very fun one. Oh, that was, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It's been fun to go back occasionally because I've been enjoying this new era we're doing with like, you know, non-Bond and non-Godzilla sure. movies. Uh, but there are there are some really fun times, you know, back back in our, in our heyday. Um, and yeah. one of the things we wanted to do, uh, Kenny and I, you know, when I approached Kenny, about doing this um we had a couple of ideas about what we could do and one of the things we kind of talked about is you know we've had a lot of godzilla talk through you know the kong episode just because we looked at kong versus godzilla and and just because the general kaiju community uh is here you know and, and present very much so uh, but we haven't had a chance to talk about the other namesake of this podcast, Bond, in, in a good while. So we decided to kind of take a, a Bond angle for this, this kind of one-off episode. Uh, so we'll be looking at the film, The Cannonball Rum, and we'll explain why in a little bit. But first I thought about we yes. should kind of get back to what's, you know, what's going on with Bond, you know? So supposedly the movie is finally coming out soon. Yeah, November is still the scheduled date, despite everything that you know may or may not be happening. So, yep, knock on wood. Yeah, it still it comes out then. Uh, are you? What's your feeling for the new one now? Um, I mean, we've I'm, been living with it for so long. I think that's really the. Th it's really kind of. Thing. It's gotten down to the point where it's like I just want to see it. You know. Yeah. I, I, I just like it, it's as bad as it sounds. I kind of just want the more era to. Or sorry, not the more era. The, I want the. Craig era to be done you know I, I get the feeling that there, that's what there, feels weird about it there's is... some similarities to like how people felt about more at that at the view to a kill era you know yeah um, which hopefully it's not that bad 
no, no, I, I don't think it is going to be, but it's just like, it's just been so long, you know, it's just been so yeah, has long. Has he been Bond longer than more? Yes, technic- technically speaking, especially because of the delays in No Time to Die, even before yes, the COVID. And I, I, yes, and I believe this is the longest break in Bond films, breaking the previous record, which was License to Kill to Goldeneye. Right, yeah, because it was, um, what, what Spectre came out, what, 2015? Yeah, right? 2015? Um, yeah, so it's 2021. That's a six-year gap, just about the same. So, yeah. um, just a, Or similar time period. So, but it's um, interesting that it, it is the same bond. Yeah. It's not, it's not Especially a new one. This I mean, is granted, being, part of this is because of COVID, but yeah. Right, and it's being presented as like, this is the end of this bond. You know, it's not like all yeah. the... I, I, we talked about this before. It's not like all the other bonds where it's very much the... Oh, they just left because they had to leave, right? Like, pretty much you know, more kind of like bowed out, but he like kind of got extended twice, right? Like Brosnan yeah. wanted to do one more and he got, you know, can Dalton didn't get a chance because of the delay in his movie. Connery yeah. left twice, right? And Lazenby yeah. left. So it's like Craig, they like set this up as like this is the end of an era and we just I, haven't well, gotten well, to the end of the era. Was done playing Bond. Right. Yes. After. He made some statements about that. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So uh yes uh, the, the slip your wrist comments you know those have aged yep. very well in many wow. different ways um but it, i think there's two things though i think one it is going to be interesting to see how they just end right they just kind of bring it to a whole if, sure, if it's yeah. going to be like an actual like we're wrapping everything up or is it like okay this bond is going to once again slink off into retirement or this bond will have continuing adventures as an old multiverse that sort of thing does or, daniel craig quit in every movie uh i think he does at one point or another though i think like it's kind of a little bit different in casino royale because you know he kind of like yeah comes back around to it you know that sort of thing like it's not really like he quits but he does kind of quit too he does it pretty often which is pretty funny but pretty much every movie it's just kind of like he's either like quit or like left for dead or whatever yeah but i i think what's really going to be intriguing now especially now that we've had this delay and kind of where the filmscape is, where the streaming wars are and everything like that. Like the actual future of bond is super fascinating because, you know, we've got, you know, the new, you know, you're going to have to cast the new bond at some point. And like, are they going to go to continue in this Craig direction? Are they going to go a little bit more, maybe fun Marvel type? Are they going to kind of go back to roots again? Like that sort of thing. And then, you know, we have this association with Amazon now that they've bought like kind of the MGM library and kind of have these MGM rights, but we've already kind of been told that we're not going to get like a bond series, but like, you know, how is Amazon going to bring in that stuff when Disney plus and HBO max are kind of, yeah. you know, I mean, we know they just spent a ton on their Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Series, yeah. They, so and they're and willing to they, spend money indeed. And you know, they are, you know, still an extremely successful company, you know, and kind of in many ways, like the originator of what all these streaming services are trying to, to be alongside Netflix. Like it was like Amazon Prime and Netflix were first. And now yeah. that Netflix has kind of dropped way down in many ways in terms of like real eyeballs, because all these companies now have streaming services. But just what is that future of Bond going to look like is going to be very interesting as we go into that- like 2022 and beyond. Yeah, and that's honestly what I'm more excited for yes. at this point. It's just what the next one will be. So it's kind of weird 
when there is still one coming out from yeah. this Craig. It, it really just so. feels like I want to know, like, just like just the end of this. I want this Craig era to just be done. Not, yeah. not because it's just like, you know, I, we, we've had our uh, Bonzilla podcast fans know we've had our feelings on Craig before. Um, so you know, we don't need to rehash those too much, but it's just been a long time, right? It, it's been it's, like... It's been a while and, and I'm ready for a change of scenery. Yeah, and it's like, because I kind of realized, right, like I, we grew up with Brosnan, but in terms of my, yeah. like I really got into film like in like 2006. Like that was when I really kind of got into film and media and everything like that. Like, to, you know, 2004 and 2006. And so essentially for my entire really true film loving existence, Craig has been Bond. Like I've only had to see those movies in theaters, you know, other, otherwise, give or take like a golden eye you know, seeing it in like right. a theater type of thing, like for like an anniversary or whatever, or like a special screening. So I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, again, what direction the, the Broccoli's take Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson obviously are so involved still with these. Yes. So it's just going to be great. fascinating uh, to yeah. see like what the new direction is and like what new director they grab and, you know, that sort of thing. Like what, how do oh, they there are so many ways it could go. Right. Like, how do they compete with, you know, you know, Mission Impossible is going to keep continuing. And again, yeah. you know, who knows what's going to go on HBO Max or in the future. On and the like, other side, Fast and Furious. Fast and the Furious. And, and then again, even action movie. And even the Marvel, again, the Marvel and DC films, yeah. like the, the MCU is not going anywhere. It, in fact, it's no. like it's found another rebirth somehow. Um, yeah. in terms of like what they're doing on Disney Plus and even Shang-Chi and Eternals look way different than anything they've done before. They're kind of trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And, and DC's kind of trying, I think they've kind of started to find their groove a little bit with like Suicide it's Squad. Kind of just individual movies. Right. Now and and so it's now it's going to be director's takes. Right. Like, so like, you know, we've talked about like, are the Broccoli's going to play with the, you know, the, the cinematic universe thing, or are they going to really maybe not, maybe they'll go the opposite way. Maybe they will go back to the one, you know, every movie is kind of different type of thing, you know, cause Craig yeah. has been so continuity heavy. So there's just a lot going on. And, and, and again, allegedly the movie's going to come out soon. So yeah. uh, we'll have real, to see, which we have our conspiracies about that. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yes. Um, Oh boy! Um, yeah, the yeah the other funny thing to me though, or I guess the cool thing, whenever a new Bond movie is coming out, what I like most is that it's a, an opportunity to revisit all the Bonds. I always yes. like taking the chance to just watch through them again. Yeah, for sure, and you know, especially I, I think like obviously we we talked about it uh, too on this podcast that like this podcast even as a Bond fan is maybe reassess and reevaluate and relove the Bond films in different oh, ways. Oh yeah. So yeah, um, they're the ones that are solid for me that they'll always be where I rank them, but I've had big fluctuations in other movies on rewatches. Yeah, for sure. Previously and, thought of it. and that's truly the fun of like, again, doing this podcast and even, you know, just rewatching them in general, because you just have films like you'll watch. And then two years later, you'll just have a different view on it because yeah. perspective has changed. So it's just going to be interesting to see, um, but again, it's like Bond has been one of these stalwarts of cinema. And it's again, cinema, cinema shifts, you know, Bond has to shift too. And so that's going to yeah. be the big decision. It's how Bond will continue to stay relevant uh, into this new era of film and cinema. Yeah, absolutely. And so should we get into why we're talking randomly about 
an 80s comedy called The Cannonball Run. Yes. So, um, again, we were kind it, of... It is Bond-related. It is very much Bond-related. So, um, okay, I, I, I kind of reached out to Kenny when, when I got off the idea of him guest hosting this episode. And we, again, discussed a couple ideas. And one of the ideas I had was, again, maybe doing something that we didn't get to on, like, the individual Bond episodes. There's a couple other spy movies that, you know, were kind of similar to other things we looked at. Uh, just stuff I, we didn't have time to do. And it was you that brought up the Cannonball Run, which I had previously considered for our Roger Moore-centric episode. Uh, but I went with the state, the went, went to Saint instead because I felt it was right. a little bit more meaningful and talked about more in his career and, and, and himself as an actor. But, but Roger but now, Moore... Now, you had not seen Cannonball Run. I have right? never seen it, no. So you okay. have, have you seen it before? I had seen it before. My mom loves it. Okay. So it was, it's a movie she like fondly remembers from childhood. Okay, so, cool. Yeah, I wasn't sure I, when I, I made, yeah. I, I wasn't sure when I, when I made the announcement, but, uh, but it, what, one of the things we'll talk, we'll talk about again, our, our big history of, and, and sort of the making of the movie. Uh, but the major thing that relates it to Bond is that Roger Moore is in this movie and he essentially plays James Bond. Like, there's no one. Essentially, well, it's even more complicated than that, which we'll get into. We'll, but we'll yes, get into. But he, he is essentially James Bond in this movie. Right. Uh, so just to kind of get that out of the way, that's why we're kind of reaching out and talking about it. And also, it's like a nice just individual thing that we're not like we're, i mean we're not going to talk about canon but we're all two and three like we're not going to do that we're no. we're not beholden to do anything else we can just like kind of have a nice one-off as we lead into um our our our, our rest of our uh bondzilla presents with which by the way i'll mention now before we get into the movie if you didn't hear our announcement video and you're very confused why kenny's here well we already explained that but i also want to mention that we are looking at uh you know will will be back next month to talk about star trek first contact and Pirate of the Caribbean, Curse of Black Pearl, that is our next new series. We're going to be talking about the five Pirates films over the course of the next couple of months. So I'm very excited to, to dig it, to re-dig into those films. That's going to be great. All right. So let's, without further ado, let's talk about the Cannonball Run. So the origins of the Cannonball Run uh, start with reality. Um, yep. So uh, in 1971... A automotive journalist named Brock Yates uh, conceived this idea for a real-life cannonball, what he calls the Cannonball Baker Sea to Shining Sea Memorial Trophy Dash. Uh, he originally proposed it in his uh, a magazine he wrote for called Car and Driver. And the idea was a very simple, just like in the movie, a very simple idea of all competitors drive any vehicle they're choosing over any route at any speed they judge practical. Uh between one starting point at the East coast and a final destination on the West coast. Um, it was inspired by the uh, real life driver, Ernest cannonball Baker, the namesake of the race uh, who was one of the first people to drive across the country in 1927 uh, and made it at that point in 60 hours. And Yates thought that car and technology had gotten so much better that, uh, you know, he was able to kind of, you know, have more fun with it. So Yates was the and his team were the only participants in the 1971 version of the race. Uh, they didn't really get any other competitors, uh, but he wrote a book about it called The Sunday Driver, and that got the some attention. It was a, it was a nice seller, uh, you know, New York Times seller type of thing. Uh, and in fact, early on in '73, uh, 
a film based on that book was going to be made uh, called um, The Cannonball Baker, See the Science Team, Memorial Trophy Dash. Uh, that film was never made, uh, but a couple of other unrelated films that were also inspired by the book were released in 1976, Cannonball and The Gumball Rally. Uh, and so by 1979, uh, there were 46 teams. So within the span of the decade, the race had gotten so much more popular to the point where Yates now teamed up with stuntman slash director Hal Needham to compete in the uh, van that they converted into a fake ambulance, which of course, if you, you know, the movie, it's basically, you know, the main vehicle of the movie. Uh, so one thing to note, I do want to note who Hal Needham is because he's going to be a very important part of this story. Uh, Hal Needham was a stuntman turned director who had made a very, uh, very successful series of films that were especially successful in the American South. Uh, he was a very popular director there. His credits include the stuntman movie Hooper based on his own experience, kind of the dramedy Hooper. And of course, the Smokey and the Bandit films, which were extremely popular in the South and were big money makers in that period. So uh, Needham had always had a nice relationship with stunts, cars, fast races, everything like that. So Yates and him had a relationship just based on their mutual car love, and they decided to compete in this race at, uh, just together. Uh, their car in that race, in the 1979 version of the race, um, did not make it to the finish line. Their transmission came out uh, 50 miles short of the finish line. But their experiences on the race and their, their experiences with the other teams got them talking about what if they did a movie based on the Cannonball run. Um, so Yates goes from journalist, automotive journalist, to screenwriter. He writes the entire screenplay of the movie, takes a lot of elements from the actual 1979 race, such as the ambulance, and especially a traffic stop that the ambulance had with some cops. That is basically a scene that's in the movie as well. Uh, uh, and some of the other competitors uh, do take inspiration from other competitors that they kind of cross paths with over the course of the movie, uh, over the course of the race, I should say. So um, uh, basically from here, Hal knows what he needs. He needs his boy, Burt Reynolds. Now think about Burt Reynolds is I was kind of thinking about this when watching the movie. Personally, for me, right, I kind of know the persona and the legend of Burt Reynolds more than I know the, the actual movies of Burt Reynolds. So, but he and he is uh, this is an ensemble movie, but he's the star. Oh, I mean, I he's he's the star. He's the first one signed on because the thing about it I was yeah. about to mention is that. Burt Reynolds was the top box office star in America at this time. Yep. Like from 1976 to like 82, like he just had a string of hits, including those Smokey and the Bandit movies, Hooper and this film. Uh, he was very, very successful and one of the most noted, you know, most attractive men on the planet at that point, you know, you know, and that's not even including like the longest yard and his first like big flash and deliverance. Like he was a certified bona fide star to the point where he was offered one of the highest contracts in Hollywood history at this point, a cool $5 million for this movie, which again, now knowing 
right? Like now we're having like lawsuits for like, you know, you know, 20 million, 30 million dollars, right? Like like the fact that like one of the highest paid actors was getting 5 million from a movie and that was a huge deal, it's still mind-boggling, you know, to really think about how oh, yeah. far how far we've come, right? So yeah, and like you had mentioned, Smokey and the Bandit was a huge success. This movie we're talking about, it, it kind of has gone into the cultural black hole. I think a lot of people might not know about it now, it, but it was a big budget movie for the right. time. And and the other thing about this movie too, and a, and a, a success, right? Uh, and what, as we'll kind of talk about, one of the concepts of this movie as well. And Needham uh, took experience from like his early stuntman days and doing movies like The Great Race and being around. Uh, you know, in the times of like, it's a mad, 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 mad world and everything like that is kind of to make this not only the ensemble cast, but the huge stars ensemble cast, right? Like there's a bunch of really notable names. This is in a this star studded movie. movie. Yes. Uh, so Burt Reynolds, obviously first one signed on first one, you know, made, you know, and uh, right away as well. The there's a deal kind of in place with the Hong Kong film company, Golden Harvest. Uh, to to give a big a lot of budget to the movie as well, so kind of that sort of thing, and we'll get to an b- important connection that they give later. But it is also worth mentioning that uh, Burt Reynolds' right hand man in this movie is Dom DeLuise, who in real life was one of Burt Reynolds' great friends. The the two of them had worked many movies together. Um, they had known each other outside of films. Uh, DeLuise was instrumental in getting Burt to do a cameo in the 1976 Mel Brooks film silent movie, which also, if you haven't seen, is crazy. It's just Mel Brooks and his friends goofing off for like 90 minutes, making the silent film. It's great. Uh, but DeLuise had also starred uh, alongside Reynolds in Smokey and the Bandit 2. Uh, so they had and made a lot of movies together and would continue to make lots of movies together. And they were two genuine great friends. And if you see the the bloopers at the end of the movie, you can tell they're, they're very oh, good yeah. friends together. Uh, their chemistry comes across very well. Right. Uh, so there's that. Uh, so that's kind of the main kind of team in the movie or kind of of our ensemble cast. They are the main team uh, alongside them in this movie as well is Farrah Fawcett uh, as kind of the leading lady of their vehicle. They're kind of fake patient that they kidnap. Uh, just to note in the real life race, the fake patient in Needham and Yates's car was consented to being a fake patient. They did not kidnap anybody in real life. Do you want to make that fairly clear? But Fawcett yeah. was also an up, and, you know, very much again, kind of the up and coming, you know, Hollywood hottie for no other better term. Like she was kind of becoming one of those new bombs, you know, bombshell. Like we're gonna get you, and you're gonna be very hot in this movie type of thing. She was among that '80s era of of kind of like you know leading ladies that were you know very much put in movies for, uh, you know, their their looks and, and it's unfortunate to say because i think fair Fawcett is a talent but also i mean just to be frank and we'll talk about this in the movie this is a, a this is a, a man-made movie in many different ways oh um, yeah yeah well and, well yeah we'll have to talk about it when we get into it but i mean because you know, the movie also has you know adrian barbeau like it yeah the, the women in it are all like they're all super hot models basically. right I, I just to mention them because we're going to get to our I next say they aren't funny i think they're they're great in the movie too yeah yeah uh andrea barbero and uh, tara buckman play uh marie marcy thatcher and joe rivers they are the lamborghini team 
Um, they are based on a real life competitor in the uh, actual 1979 Cannonball team, uh, which was called the Right Broad team, which was made, um, made up of auto rider Judy Stopus, race car driver Donna May Mims, and Peggy Nimick, uh, who was a husband of a car freak who just also happened to be a car freak. Um, so that was based on their uh, entry in the 1979 race, though. Uh, um, uh, Judy Sopas said that, you know, there was a little editorial license with the characters, but, you know, that never hurt anybody is what she kind of said on that sort of basing of it. Um, another big part of this movie is the team up of Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr., um, who play a former race car driver and a, a gambler who kind of team up disguised as priest. And this was one of the things that these types of movies always love to do, right? They like to kind of bring back the, the big name comedians of the past, like go back to the mad, 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 mad world example. Like a big part of that movie is like bringing like Milton Barrel and everything, everybody like that, like those like original television comedians, you know, bring them into this movie and, and make a big comedy thing. And the original three stooges are in that movies, yada, yada, yada. So this was a big deal to kind of get these two, like two of the original rat pack team back together uh, on screen. Um, and, 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 you know, and they were you know good friends in real life as well. So, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin were, were, were eager to kind of play off each other. This was one of Dean Martin's last film roles alongside the sequel to this movie. Well, Sammy Davis Jr. did have kind of a, a lengthier career, but they were very much like a focal point. Like, look, it's the Rat Pack back together. Uh, one thing to note as well, um, there is a cameo in this movie by Jimmy DeGreek, the famous sports gambler who was very noted at this time for being involved with NFL morning shows and everything like that. Um, he's in this movie mostly because he was a neighbor of Dean Martin as a kid. And so the two of them were friends uh, growing up. And so Dean Martin brought him into this movie for the cameo. He's, uh, he's not the only sports world connection though. No, I, I'm no. Um, I do want to get to Roger Moore though, um, because he's we probably should. the yeah. other big part of this movie. Uh, he's like second build um, actually. Uh, so Roger Moore, how to talk about this character. All right. So basically <laughs> Roger Moore a... plays Seymour Goldfarb Jr. Who is kind of this, like, and we'll talk about it more, but basically he's going around pretending to be Roger Moore and like playing James Bond. It has a James Bond car. He has an Aston Martin DB five. And the one thing about this to talk about really is you got to remember and if you, you know, again, Bonzo listeners know, if you listen to our For Your Eyes Only episode and our Octopussy episode, one, you know, within the context, right, this seems like it's right in the middle of Moore's career because this is the same year, 1981, as For Your Eyes Only. It, it came out the week before. The week before. But the one thing that has to be remembered about this is that Moore had essentially said he was leaving Bond for your eyes only was meant to be his last film. So by the time that he got this film and was filming it, he was officially off of bond. He was out. Of, he was done with his contract. They were just waiting for the film to release. So basically more was now kind of in a realm where it's like, okay, well I can just do what I want. I'm not under a bond contract. Why not have a little fun? And, and we know more, more was always very game to kind of self parody himself 
in real life in interviews and everything like that. Like this he was has very- the best stories of fan interactions. I'd right. Say. Yes. He, he likes to play himself as Bond. Exactly. And, and, to, it, and it's it's great. This is very much like a role that was made for him. But again, he was oh, basically completely. done with Bond. And he was like, yeah, this might upset, you know, Cubby Broccoli and everybody. But like, you know, I'm out. Right. And then, of course, as we know, Sean Connery decides to do Never Say Never Again. The Bond team panics and brings more back for Octopussy, um, despite everything that had happened. And, 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 and it was noted that Cubby was not happy with this, but, you know, he liked that, more. That's interesting because it, it's not really making fun of Bond. No, no, I don't think so. I, and it's one of those things I'm sure that uh it, i don't know if broccoli actually saw the movie or if like he was just very touchy because Covey was a very touchy man about bond right like he was very yeah. much like he he took his bond very seriously even as those movies got as crazy as they got he had a very specific vision and we've, we've talked about it too where it's like you know when um Brosnan was originally cast for the living daylights and then he got to do remington steel again what did what did broccoli say no my bond's not on tv my bond's not doing any you know my Bond's not doing anything else like that. My Bond is my Bond, and he's only playing Bond. And yet, you know, like right. Con- Connery and Moore and even Dalton would get to do other films while they're under contract, but never, none of them really touched that sort of thing while they were doing Bond. They're so, not playing a spy in a Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. So there was a little bit of, like, touchiness within the Bond team about this, but, you know, it was like they weren't going to do anything, and they knew that more was a sure thing. So when they had to bring him back for octopus, he wasn't they were like, you did cannonball run. You're not going to do anything. We're not, you know, you're not going to be in this movie again, though. Funny enough, Hal Needham does claim that he once interviewed for a bond job. And they said, no, because you did the cannonball run. That, which, that's amazing. Which I mean, again, we'll take first. I'll take a little bit of a grain of salt, but you yeah. know, um, but it is kind of funny. Uh, one thing I did, uh, kind of tease earlier was the involvement of the Hong Kong studio Golden Harvest Films in terms of the budget of this movie and one of the things that they very much requested was to have a couple of their uh, Hong Kong stars appear in the film which leads to the appearance of Jackie Chan a very young Jackie Chan second ever Hollywood role and Michael Hugh as the Japanese team, which I can tell you for a fact, Jackie Chan was very upset when he found out that he was not playing a Chinese or Hong Kong person in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but again, we'll talk about it. It was the 80s. We'll, get it. we'll have to get into this stuff. We'll, yeah. we'll have to get into that stuff. Because um, we'll also have to talk about Jamie Farr, a very mm-hmm. white person as a, the Sheik, uh, who is not a white person. Um but we'll talk about that as well. And we'll talk about this as well, too. Um, we do get another team, Meltisis and Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> yeah. um, as... They're not in much of the movie. No, but they're there. Oh, they're there. Yeah. Uh, this era of Terry is very fascinating. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, the docs on Terry at all. But, like, this is, like, kind of post-NFL career, hates the Steelers, kind of mm-hmm. done with football. Terry Bradshaw looking to do other stuff and eventually he kind of finds his way back into football with the, you know, with the broadcasting and event and back in the Steelers good graces. But this is a very, when I saw he was in this movie, I was like, Jesus, 
Like that's like a crazy, <laughs> that's just crazy. Cause I know him as like the, the crazy old man on, on NFL on Fox. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And he's like kind of the big personality, but they actually see him in like, you know, a movie on when he's like relatively young and not failure to launch, you know, young, which is old, yeah. you know, it's kind of, it's just kind of fun. And there's a couple other teams. We'll just kind of talk about them. Uh, I do want to mention too, we do did cameos by both Brock Yates and Hal Needham. Brock Yates is the um, race organizer who lays down the rules as he would in real life, as he was the founder of the race. And Hal Needham is the ambulance EMT that kind of gives our main team the idea to use the ambulance. Um, so, you know, production of this movie uh, very much was filmed mostly in Georgia to California, uh, kind of, you know, representing different parts of the country, uh, kind of the California desert for kind of the end of the film, Georgia for very much, much parts of the beginning of the film. Uh, you know, a- as with any Hal Needham film, very much focused on the cars, the stunts, the kind of the car sequences were a very big thing. And, um, you know, Hal Needham was basically, this was his bread and butter, right? Like he was a stuntman and by trade, uh, you know, early in his career, all of his movies, very heavily featured car stunts and cars uh, and everything like that. Um, he was even uh, a second unit director back in the early days on The Longest Yard where he met Berth Reynolds for a car chase. So basically everything about this was very much him and what he liked to do and what he wanted to do. And it basically for him was making a movie with his buddy Berth Reynolds where he got to, you know, make do a bunch of cars. Uh, but there is another legacy to this film in terms of its pr- production. And it's one of the significant films where a major accident happened on set that basically forced more safety measures in terms of stunts. Um, Cause there was a very uh, notable accident with German, German American stunt woman, Heidi von Belts, um, who was a last minute fill in for uh, a different stunt person who had a family emergency and the stunt coordinator, Bobby Bass, uh, who was actually, you know, uh, engaged to Von Belts called her in and be like, Hey, it's going to be this great, you know, I just need you to blow some smoke out of the, the car to make it look like it's on fire. It's very safe stunt, yada, yada, yada. And Belts was like, well, there are no seatbelts in this car and this car is acting really weird. And like, you know, the transmission is all funky. So they did some quick fixes. But like, we got to go. We got to go to go. You can kind of guess how it ends. Car rams into a uh, a van. Van Belts is kind of thrown out and unfortunately is very gravely hurt, breaks her neck and unfortunately becomes a paraplegic as a result of this. She, you know, used her insurance. The insurance company sues her because it's like, well, it doesn't cover this and it's going to bankrupt us. Spoiler alert, she wins because, of course, she should because she was very gravely injured in here. And it was very much that that kind of forced, okay, well, the Directors Guild was very much, okay, like directors don't change stunts at the last minute. If anything is different. Be like, oh, we're doing this. Yeah, like, don't do that or you're going to get, you know, you're basically going to be run out of town. And like, it's just... It's silly to think about, but it's like, it was like this that were like, okay, now in our contracts, we have to make sure that seatbelts are like in there. In our stunt cars. In our stunt cars, right? Like, it's, it's, yeah. just, it's just stupid to think about how like you need an accident to be like, no, we should be safe. You should be well, safe. 
This makes me want to also get into, I don't know if it's jumping ahead too much, but a, a thing that really stands out in the movie is that open container laws do not exist at no. this time. No, not at all. Uh, I believe either. every car, people are openly drinking in the cars, including the drivers. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I just well, there's, a one, there's one moment where like Terry Bradshaw and his partner are just stuffing their car with beers. They have like, yeah. like, eight like eight like big packets of beer and then like they're like oh do we have a snack hey we have some popcorn like here it is you know so uh and, and, and there's a moment where there's they're at a checkpoint and and th this is where it really stuck out to me is because i was like oh maybe that's the joke at first it's like they're all drinking also while doing this but no the cops don't say anything about the the drinking yeah openly drinking in their cars um so yeah but based on that like that's basically like the main the main focus of the movie i mean it was like again like we're talking about hal needham we're talking about burt reynolds uh we're talking about you know big cars we're talking about cross-country race based on a real race like this was very much like again the bread and butter of everybody involved in this film before we get to we're going to get to our we're going to get to our quote then we'll kind of get into the 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 larger discussion on the movie as is usual here but i do want to lead into the reading of this movie uh, or, or, or our views on this movie with um, a, a little quote from Berth, uh, Burt Reynolds uh, in which he kind of reflected on this movie later in his life. And he said, I quote, I did that film for all the wrong reasons. I never liked it. I did it to help out a friend of mine, Hal Needham. I also felt it was immoral to turn down that kind of money. I suppose I sold out, so I couldn't really object to what people wrote about me. And with that, here's our quote, and we'll get to the cannonball run in just a few moments. Mother, I trust you had a pleasant day. A nightmare, a living nightmare. You are killing me, Seymour. Killing me a slow death with this idiot spy business. Mother, you don't understand what is there to understand i'm looking at my son seymour goldfarb jr son of seymour goldfarb god rest his soul and heir to the goldfarb girdle's fortune and what is he doing walking around acting like he was some goy movie star named roger moore and for this i sent you to the best schools for this, I'm spending 8000 on orthodonture work. For this, I'm going broke, paying that Beverly Hills analyst. And now, <laughs> this. The sleep inmate found it under your pillow this morning. What is the meaning of this? The meaning, Mother dear, is a quick death. I warned you not to interfere in my affairs. Say more, put that away. It's liable to go off. I'm terribly sorry, Mother but you know too much. You see, in my business, even the deepest family relationships aren't worth a farthing. Farthing, schmarthing. No. Zykazin, Mama. Why, where did I go wrong? You know something, Mama? You're too Jewish. All right, we're back, and we're here to talk about a movie. And again, it's significant. It's the first time that Will hasn't been here to talk about a movie. So, Will, we love you. Uh, we're looking forward to having you back, of course. Uh, I'm sure the fans love Will and miss Will, but they also will love you, Kenny, as we talk about the Cannonball Run from 1981. 
Uh, this was a film that you brought up and you chose. So I'm going to give you the first word, just kind of your overall thoughts on the film. This is a very silly movie, mm-hmm. as I think the best way to describe it. Um, it's very silly. The, the plot, you know the plot from what we've already said about it. It's yeah. a race across the country with this ensemble cast following different people in the ensemble. There's a little more to get into, but really not much more uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to plot. Um, it's, I mean, the comparison to me, I know you brought up, it's a mad, 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 mad world. I think of, uh, like, from when we were kids, Rat Race is another movie to think of uh, that this is kind of like. Um, I, I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I thought it's very, it's, it's very goofy, very silly. And, but a thing that you can't really talk about it without is basically every character is a stereotype. Yeah. For sure. And like, that's the humor for a lot of them. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things about this film, just as an overall thought, like it, it very is very much like has a lot of absurd and silly moments and just kind of yeah. basically, you know, at that same token, though, basically mo- these characters are very one note in many respects. Yes. And how much you enjoy those characters is very much based on how you would enjoy that one note. And I think some characters kind of get and away. And those actors. Basically. And those actors, right. Yeah, because like, yeah. right, like like if, when you're watching Burt Reynolds in this movie, you know, he's basically being the Burt, again, Burt Reynolds, hottest guy, one of the hottest movie stars on the planet, right? Like that's who he is. Like Dom DeLuise in this movie is very much like a combination of a bunch of different Dom DeLuise movies, you know? Yeah. And I love Dom DeLuise and I'll talk about I, him. I think he's one of the highlights, right? Because I just oh, think I, like- the, the highlights- to me, for sure, are are the Burt Reynolds Dom DeLuise pairing. Yeah. Um, Roger Moore as James Bond is yes. just so entertaining. It's so silly. Th- those those are probably the main highlights as far as the act. Those are the ones that like stick out to me the most. Yes, um, I would agree. Uh, the Doctor as well. I, I think the Doctor oh, is very yes. funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, I mean, it's it's one of those things that, again, it's like, it's an interesting time capsule, right? Like oh, early yes. 80s, like kind of like this type of comedy. It, it's very much, you know, for the good and the bad, it's just very much like it, you know, it exists in this time period. It really, it, it, this, it is so 80s. This version of the movie could only exist at this point in yeah. time. Yes. Right. Because you can definitely, and I'll talk about like you definitely imagine like a new version of this, like right. But it would be a very different beast than it w- than it is in this era. It's and it's oh, like yeah, more so than a lot of other movies we've watched on here. This is a movie of like a bunch of people just getting together, being silly, yeah. and like they're having the time of their lives. Maybe not always. You can like tell in the bloopers, they're just laughing constantly, right. and they're probably actually drunk. For a, a little bit of the they movie, they probably I, are. I probably, yeah. like, I mean, just imagine like Hal Needham, Burt Reynolds, right? Like Sammy Davis Jr. getting a couple of drink, drinks together and everything like that. Like you could yeah. definitely feel that energy. And again, like just from a modern perspective, it's not always successful, but like, no, it is. It is still like a fun momentum watch, you know. And like, it's, it's short. It's an hour and a half. Right. It's, it's an hour and a half. It's short, and like it's not. You know, it's not as if it's like something like, and this is like uh, the opposite end of the spectrum. It's not a casino royale like 67 where it's just like no. a bunch of people being silly, but it like kind of drags. 
yes, it's not like the it's not like the gut busting is funniest movie in the world, but the movie moves. The movie kind of goes it, it at helps, a decent pace. It helps the transition to the different cars. A lot. Right. It very much was it very much is like a very segmented movie, right? Like you basically are just cutting between the different cars, and you'll get a little skit with the Lamborghini girls, you get a little skit with Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin, you'll get a little bit of a longer skit with, you know. Uh, Burt Reynolds and, and Dom DeLuise and then oh we're going to cut to this fat guy on a motorcycle because it's funny because he's fat uh, you know that sort of thing so um, yeah it's like it's not like it's not the greatest movie in the world but it is like no. it is like an enjoyable watch but I think we it, can kind of get into was, some of the details yeah. of the, mo- the more absurd thing that do because there are some things I definitely want to dig into in yeah, this movie. And, and I'll say uh, because of that also it's not the worst scene but the most the scene that stands out the most to me is when Burt Reynolds is talking to Farrah Fawcett about like why he's doing the run. And I'm like, this is way too serious for this movie. Like, yeah. why is this even in this? Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you got to give a little lip service to like the character, right? Like, like Dom yeah. DeLuise also has that, which I want, I'll, I'll save. We have to talk about that. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, yeah, the movie kind of, and we, we open up basically on, you know, the kind of opening credits where, when you're watching this for the first time and like, yeah, I kind of like sometimes going to these movies very fresh in terms of like who's in it sometimes, especially like this stuff that I haven't really seen and just watching just star star, right. star. Or just like, no, like as soon as I see like, it's like, you know, you're like, okay. Like I know Burt Reynolds is in it. Roger Moore, of course, because that's why we're watching it. Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. Dom DeLuise. Oh, I like Dom DeLuise. All of a sudden you're like Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, all of a sudden, like Jackie Chan, what? Like, I know, I know it's like young Jackie Chan, Terry Bradshaw, like what's what's going on here? Yeah. Um, and we get this just like nice thing with the the the, the Lamborghini going through the desert, being chased by cops, uh, the, you know, the graffiti uh, uh, speed sign at one point. There's like a whole thing where like the end of it is basically the cops on the radio and they're being like, we've almost got that Lamborghini. You've been chasing it for two hours. You're going to be in Arizona in like five minutes. It took yeah. us, it didn't take us this long to get Dillinger, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So just kind of silly stuff. And then from there, we cut immediately to uh, Dom DeLuise and Burt Reynolds in their first scene. And, and I'll just say like, uh, I, I, uh, I, I have uh, a lot of films that I've seen with Dom DeLuise in it. Um, specifically like the Mel Brooks films. I'm most familiar with them. Uh, right. He's great in the 12 chairs. He is that great, great cameo in blazing saddles. He's very fun. He, he, he fits like a glove in silent movie. He's also got a great cameo in the Muppet movie. He's got a great episode of the Muppet show. He's got this, just this very specific, you know, he's like a comedian. He's got a very specific Dom DeLuise persona, right? Like kind of the nervous stick that yep. he does. And it's just funny. Like he's, he's so, oh, yeah. he's so he's a char- highlight for sure. He's so charismatic. Uh, he, he plays, I mean, you can tell him and Reynolds are good friends cause they play off oh, each yeah. other very well. But like this first scene where he's just talking about like, he's late for like, you know, this tune up of this car because his yeah. hamster had an anxiety attack and it's like, you know, the hamsters, like the other, the girl hamster wasn't even bothering him. And it's like the, but the, it's just the way that he says it. It, it's so ridiculous, but it, it's so natural that I wouldn't be surprised if it's improvised because like, it just feels yes, like, he, it, like it felt it's coming way. from him. It's coming from and, him. And so. it, also Burt Reynolds response to it too. Yes. It feels like, it feels like a real they're, conversation for how ridiculous it is. And this is where we get the first tease of him in the movie because Dom DeLuise is like, I want to celebrate with you, with me, with our hamsters and him. And of course, Bert's like, don't you ever talk about him? 
Uh, we quickly learn who him is. It's not really a... One a of hit. the strangest things in the movie. Okay, so uh, we'll talk about this because it kind of... I, I think we can talk about the team sort of like generally in order appear, like, as yeah. they appear. Yeah. Because it's like it kind of cuts back and forth between like especially er, initially like this and like the Sammy Davis Jr. team. But basically like they're testing out their car and they're like, nothing can stop us now. We, we fixed everything. They get to like a cop roadblock. They got off the road. They get over here, like they crash. The cops are like, what the hell are you doing? Why are we going that fast? And all of a sudden, Dom DeLuise comes out of the car in like a, a homemade superhero costume yes. and proclaims himself to be Captain Chaos with uh, with Burt Reynolds as his, uh, you know, sidekick, Kato. Sidekick. Yeah. yeah. This is one of those, is, again, this is one of those things that's fascinating because this feels like, this is not like, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, especially like, when you think about the eighties and this type of movie, like this isn't necessarily like a family film, but this feels like a very family film joke. Right. But well, I can also, that's what's also weird to me about this movie is it, it's like borderline between like family and more adult. It's, yeah. it's not an R rated comedy. No, like it's, but... it, it's not a raunch fest, but it's got like, I don't know that a lot of jokes would really play for kids. No. It's like one of those films where, like, it's easy to imagine, like, your mom or dad, like, okay, this is, like, kind of like a, hey, kid, you want to watch, like, a slightly more adult movie? But this is, like, yeah. not, it's not too adult that's going to, like, you know, traumatize the kid. But it's, like, it's one of those things where that is very much, like, a, like a, a, like a kid's film joke where the guy's, like, randomly a superhero. Yeah, in a movie yes. where it's like the other one of the other jokes, it it, com it comes based out of nowhere. I mean, yeah, it's planted that they're like, right? oh, because it's like it's but... like you, but you have that alongside like another running gag where these two women basically get away from cops by showing their boobs, right? Yeah. Like it's like those are side not, by side. It's not it's not actual nudity, but they are. Yeah, yeah, they're basically like, look, officer, I've got boobs, and the officer's like, hey, man, I like boobs. You can get out of yep. here. Like that's the, I mean. I, that is the bit that is the bit with them with, with, the, with, that, the, with the with the lamborghini girls that is the entire bit and spoiler alert the payoff is they get pulled over by a woman at one point who doesn't like boobs is yeah. not is not charmed by their ways we were not yeah. that progressive in the 80s where we could make that joke no siree women did not like boobs at all yeah and never will no. yeah that no. that was the thing that also stuck out to me from Another, like, it's so of its time. If that movie came out today, she would be into them too. Yeah, it would be the joke. Right? It would kind like, of be funnier. It would be funnier. Yeah. It would be a funny thing. But I was also kind of get to the point where, like, basically all the women in this movie are, like, really, like, if, if, they're, if we're talking about one note, they're, like, kind of, like, even less one note than, like, or even more one note than the male characters in this movie. Because the Lamborghini girls, like, and they're, they're never named... They're never, they're never it, yeah. yeah, they're never named in the movie, but they are like the Lamborghini girls. They're only named in the credits. But they their whole stick is like, hey, we have a fast car and we get away with it because we have boobs and the cops like them. And then yeah. Farrah Fawcett. I will say their car is the coolest one. Oh, no, that, they, they, that have the, they, they have the great Yeah, they have one of the best cars in the movie. Um, and then because you also have Farrah Fawcett's character whose whole deal is like she's a nature photographer who likes trees. And that's She's a strange character. So should we just get into her now? I yeah, guess yeah. if we're talking about the women in the film, I I don't understand her character really, because 
I, I think the implication is that she's either kind of a ditz or forgetful, right? Yes. Like she's definitely like kind of supposed to be like a dumb blonde type that yes. also just continually showcases her love of trees. That that's basically yeah. it. That's all the character is. Multiple times he's like, "Hey, I like trees." Yeah, that's like a joke that they go to a lot. And then yeah, she she another joke is she can't remember the guy she was with's name. Like the guy she was just with. Oh yeah, yeah, the the Foyt guy. And everybody else knows that even people that haven't met him before. Like everybody yeah. knows he's Foyt, but she's like, "Who's this guy?" Um and she and, and again, her whole deal like the reason she's in the movie essentially is to be kidnapped by Burt Reynolds to be their patient in the vehicle, which yeah. we'll talk. Now the movie isn't like other eighties movies where like some crime will happen, but it's never even addressed. They, she fully says in this movie, you kidnapped me. Right. But also she ends up liking the kid. You know, she's like, Hey, yeah. you guys aren't that bad. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing, that kind of Stockholm syndrome. Well, so like, I, I guess. Yeah. Maybe we'll we'll talk about her. We should get into the only more complicated one, which is the Burt Reynolds car. Yes. And, uh, they're the only one where there's more than one note, really. Yeah. But so, so they I wanna, are going to drive. Yeah. So the, I want to talk about because before we get into like what their car is, I did like this bit before where they they lose their original car and they're kind of yeah. going over other cars that they have that they could use. I like that Don DeLuise suggests an ice cream truck at one point. I like that yep. one. Um, but they're in a, they're fly, all of a sudden they're flying in an airplane. This is where like the silliness of the movie. And this is the yeah. stuff where it's like, I wanted a little more of this type of silliness in the movie. Yeah. Like that's, this they're is just like randomly a, flying an airplane and then just park it in the middle of a well, street. They, they run out of beer. They run out yeah. of beer. They're drinking yes. in the thing. They run out of beer. So they're like, Hey, I'm going to go pick up some beer. So they land in the middle of this small town. Dom DeLuise runs into a convenience store, picks up of like a, you know, like a packet of beer, pays for it leaves and then they take off again like that's yep. actually a pretty fun little bit and it's like again that yeah. sort of silliness the movie could have used a little bit more of i think uh to really kind of bring it home together um because then they also get into the speedboat and the speedboat accident happens because burt reynolds can't stop looking at the ladies um yep. and this is where they get the idea where they're in the back end of ambulance and, and this is how needham as the ambulance attendant and they're like Oh, like how how far is the hospital? About like you know fifteen miles. How are we gonna? How fast are we gonna get there? About five minutes. We can just weave through traffic willy nilly with this thing. And they both like realize like, hey, like an ambulance that could be the thing. So that's yeah. where their kind of car comes in is that they eventually you know make a van look like an ambulance. And their whole idea is that they're gonna pretend to be ambulance drivers so that the cops stop them. They like, hey, we gotta get we gotta get out of here. Um, Which the other- leads to them needing a doctor and a patient uh yes so basically the idea is okay we're going to be the ambulance drivers we need a doctor to pose as our like onboard doctor and a patient to be like we need to get her to or get her or him definitely her to a hospital uh so there's big issues they don't have a doctor they don't have a patient again just like i just want to mention like i i really do love dom deluise because he's talking about like he couldn't get his shrink because his shrink just got admitted uh, yeah, committed because yeah, he's like shooting bananas or something like that like just or smoking bananas just like the little bits of like Deloise can really sell those kind of really dumb out there jokes just from his yeah. persona uh and they, they yeah. try to pick up the lamborghini girls but they're like hey we're we're cannonballers too yeah this uh, scene is very weird because it's burt reynolds is just trying to flirt with every girl yes. who's at the meeting spot mm-hmm. for right. the cannonball run 
Um, yeah, first he's talking to the Lamborghini girls, and then, yeah, they're, they're also cannonballers. They're not interested. And then he talks to Farrah Fawcett. Who goes on about um, trees. Who but goes on about trees and then until Dom DeLuise interrupts them, and then she just leaves, and that's the end of that scene, which is yeah. kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that whole sequence is, is very odd. Um, well, yeah. before we get to the further stuff, I mean, we, we will talk about the doctor and Farrah Fawcett. I feel like we should get some of the other setup because we're, we're sure yeah. that stuff is at kind of the, the cannonball pub, which is this fictionalized version of the real life, like Connecticut, this Connecticut pub that they would always start at. Uh, so that's like kind of the lead up to them is that they get this ambulance there. We also have the introduction of Sammy Davis Jr. And Dean Martin, yep. um, who Sammy Davis Jr. plays a gambler who's going to bet on himself in the cannonball run to make a million dollars because his odds, you know, are 50 to one, which is great. It's another great little visual yeah. gag where like you see like this bookie thing and it's got like all the different race, you know, the, the horse races and stuff like that. And then it just says cannonball. cannonball. I just like this very yeah. like illegal underground race has like its own board, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but they, Sammy Davis Jr. Brings in this former uh, formula one driver, Dean Martin, uh, who's played by Dean Martin. Uh, who's like a perpetual drunk these days. And their whole plan is they're going to dress up as priests, right? Because you can't pull over yeah. a priest. You can't like, right? But then they drive a Ferrari. Yes. <laughs> the priests drive a Ferrari. And Dean Martin makes no, you know, as also, again, Dean Martin is drunk and flirting with a bunch of girls and wants to have sex. He also yeah. tries to pick up the Lamborghini girls at one point. Yes. Um, and he's, and he's, Sarah Fawcett, kind of. Kind of, Yes. And just all of these other random chicks that are at the pub. Like, basically, yeah. he's trying to be there. Sammy Davis Jr. is like, we can't do that. We're priests. And all the other girls are like, hey, you can't do that. You're a priest. And then, yeah. you know, Dean Martin. There's this one point where, like, right before they leave, where Dean Martin is pissed because the Lamborghini girls are like, you can't have sex with us. You can't have a threesome with us because you're a priest. He, like, yeah. picks up Sammy Davis Jr. And he's like, Methodists. Next time, yeah. we're Next Methodists. Time. I, yeah. And then I kind of thought, First of all, they looked both actually very drunk here. Like they just did. Second of all, I yes, really thought really I really thought they were gonna kiss. Like I really, it really looked <laughs> like the two of them were gonna kiss in this scene, and I would have been like all on board for that. Uh, but they're basically, uh, but they have good chemistry too, because you know they're the Rat Pack. They're they're, they're the Rat Pack. Yeah, they're they're good <laughs> friends too. So there's those whole thing where they're like, "Who's driving? I can't drive. It looks like I'm driving. Yeah, it does look like that, honey. You know that sort yeah, of thing." Yeah, and they both read as very authentically drunk in that scene. Yes, and I again it would not be surprised if they were if they leg- are just are if, if they yeah. are legitimately drunk. Uh, there's also a jag earlier where like he's like, we're gonna have the Lord in our car. Dean Martin like slaps him and is like, What do you mean we're gonna have the Lord in our car? It's only two seats. Where is he gonna sit? You know, again, very, <laughs> yeah. very drunk in there. Um, and then we get this lead up for the Roger yeah, Moore. Now character. we have to start talking about some of the other characters. Right. Well, the the other big one that they set up, because these are the big three that they set up, these are the ones that they give the most attention to, is in a way, the Lamborghini girls, because they're kind of the open of this movie, you have yeah. the Burt Reynolds, Tom DeLuise. They're like the most focused on Sammy Davis Jr. and Dane Martin. And then With after Max. them is like Roger Moore. Yeah. Um, whose first scene in this movie is him visiting his mother. And his yeah. mother's complaining that and, like... Uh, we should mention every time he's in the movie, the music is James Bond-esque. Oh, it's, it's, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, 
you're trying not to get like copyright. So like you're like one or yeah. two notes off. It's so close to the bond. It's theme. so close. It's just yeah. like, like, it's just like the, you know, yeah, it's like just so close, but it's like a couple notes off. So it's like not, it's almost like kind of whiplash. Cause it's like, it feels like it's bond, but you can, and then yeah. like your mind's like, but you can tell it's different. It's yeah. it's different. But yeah, he like enters the scene with his mom. He's having, he's going to have like a lunch tea with her and she's complaining. It's like, listen, you're, you're the heir to the Goldfarb girdle fortune. And what are you doing? You're going around pretending to be the spy, pretending to be this goy actor named Roger Moore. And, yeah. you know, we found a gun under your pillow and, and, and then Roger Moore is just like, she, like points at her. It's like, you threatens know, his mom. Yeah. Like, you know, too much mother, you know, too much. And you speak know. again as if he's James Bond. I can't it's stress like, enough it's that he just is James Bond. It's legitimately right out of like Man with the Golden Gun or Moonraker. Like it's legitimately yeah. right out of those movies. Like he's like basically like you know in my in my business like family you know family relationships aren't even worth a farthing. And he basically like yeah. is going to shoot his mother, and then it's a fake like bang gun, and then the scene ends yeah. with like you know what's your problem, mother? You're too Jewish. <laughs> Which yeah. again. I don't know. It's just like, that's what it is. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And then he like eventually appears to the pub. And, it, and again, the Aston Martin. In which, the Aston Martin. Yeah. Which is funny because he never drove like the Aston no. Martin in any of the films. Like he's one of the few Bonds that never drove it. The, um, the other thing that this movie like made very clear to me is how much of, oh, I think we've talked about this before, how much of the Bond iconography is from Goldfinger. Yes, honestly, very much so. The car and it has all the gadgets in it, which you yeah, talk spoilers. About. The car has actual gadgets well, in it. The main thing about okay, so I, we can kind of talk about most of Moore's run in this movie here, yeah, because the the gags in this movie are his car has all the Bond tricks. It's like an uh, actual Bond car. Like it has, he keeps teasing it has a ejector seat. Right? It does. It that does eventually. It has the rotating license plates that he yes. uses to get away from a license plate check. Uh, it has like you know nails and oil slicks. The other running gag with Moore in this movie is that every time he appears, he's with a different woman. Yeah, which is kind of actually really funny. It's, it's a it's really very funny. It's it's a really and and the thing is they never make it like creepy. It's just like. He's no, it's, the, it's actually a very subtly done joke. It's a subtly done. I, that's what I was about to say. It's legitimately a subtly done Bond joke that just becomes funny because he's, it's not like he's like trying to love these women or anything. He's literally just talking to them. He's just with just, a different woman in the car. He's with yeah. a different woman every single time, uh, which is kind of, it was actually, again, pretty funny. Um, and then the only other thing with him is well, another scene that's just like very insane, but the only other thing that I guess you could say is like a Bond thing is he's about to get in a fist fight with someone and the guy just like knocks him down instantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, the other thing I should mention is that like, there's also really no re I mean, I, I can guess that the reason for the, the Goldfarb thing is to like, just in case he didn't do it or something like that. But almost it's like after that first scene, he's essentially just saying, I'm Roger Moore. I'm Roger Moore. That's what I didn't get. Why is he not just Roger Moore? I, yeah, I'm, I, I guess I'm guessing that it was like written because they didn't know if they were going to get him or something, or maybe it was an idea. Or have someone who would 
play like him or right yeah. or, or like I, I the idea what probably was like they were going to get someone else and then once they knew they could get more they kind of inserted that stuff but like there really is no reason for him not to just be roger moore because even when he arrives to like the cannonball pub he's like i know he signs that, in as roger moore he signs in as roger moore and he's like I, I know it must be tempting to have a celebrity here, but I do like to keep a low profile. Yeah, like so. I guess the other joke there is that he is just pretending to be Roger Moore. Exactly, pretending to be Bond. Either that, or he is actually Roger Moore, but like Roger Moore is another persona of his. Like we don't yeah. really like the movie doesn't it, really make that that clear. They never really play it as a joke but like it's it is only funny. that opening scene with his mom it is funny that this that he's essentially bond like that's basically it, it, he's bond he's bond it, you're watching roger moore as james bond yeah a week before you'll see that again in yeah in, in, in his uh, allegedly last movie yeah. um then to get to like the the there's other people here like we do get the terry bradshaw team where they're running Ooh, away from... i i didn't care for them really no i mean i think it was fun to see Terry and I would have liked yeah on a, not they're, from they're a, barely in the movie also right, not from a movie quality standpoint but for a, my own personal amusement standpoint just I really like the trivia we, aspect like I yeah. wanted more Terry just because it was like weird that Terry Bradshaw was in the movie uh but there is like they're, they're just playing like good old boys you know like they like get like they like they escape the cops from like by jumping in a pool with the car and they're like yeah. man that was a better hiding spot than back in back in the back well, now we got to retune the car. So let's get out of here. Like, that's basically their characters. They pack yeah. their car. They, as mentioned, they pack their car with a bunch of beer. Just fill it yeah. to the brim with beer. Um, that sort of thing. And then, yeah, they kind of get, they're one of the teams that kind of get caught by the quote unquote villain of the movie, uh, which we'll get to. Uh, but it was just kind of, you know, it was kind of nice to see Terry Bradshaw just for the trivia aspect of it. Yeah. Um, now, now, do we get into the weirdest characters? Uh, the, which which well, ones are? I'm talking about the Sheik and then the Japanese um, automakers. Uh, we can get into those. I do. There are two other guys. There's like two smaller oh, teams. Right. That, there's two smaller guys that I want. Two smaller teams that I want to mention. There's the one really rich dude who like. Oh yeah. With the Very motorcycle. Also. The motorcycle guy who they're the whole gag with them. It, well, he's like an insane CEO who like wants to just like jump out of airplanes and he like calls his buddy who's like the best motorcyclist in the world. But his buddy like, you know, kind of retired and owned a pizza joint. So he got fat. And the whole gag is that they're going to be like dressed up as newlyweds. So like the cops won't stop them because they won't stop newlyweds. But the but the 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 the, the, yeah. the, the really good motorcycle guy is now super fat. So they basically run the whole race on a wheelie because the, the car, the, the motorcycle is like just done. Yeah. And they're the, barely in the movie. They're also. barely in the movie too. Cause they're also set up with an opening scene where he jumps out of like the rich guy jumps out of an airplane on yeah. a motorcycle. Like it seems you like it's going to be, be in it more. Right. From that but, it's, intro, but it basically but becomes a sight gag where anytime you see them, it's like a wheelie. And it's like, will you stop being fat? Yeah. Uh, and then we also get this, these guys in this truck with this one guy who keeps doing the weirdest impersonations. Like yeah. this dude was like, he like, they're like, he crashes into the cannonball pub and, and Burt Reynolds is like, what do you think you are the president? And then he just launches into like a Nixon impersonation. A Nixon. Yeah. Right. And he does like a bunch of these throughout the movie. So that was also a very odd 
thing and he just kind of pops up every once in a while i feel like he must have been like an 80s impression comedian that's what i had that's i had the feeling but like he's yeah. like richard nixon is like they're kind of taking a joke and fuck them if they can you know that sort of thing yeah. um but yeah now with that we can get to the the chic and the japanese team the, the um, chic there's less to talk about the chic he's also okay. barely in it the chic is one of those characters in, in Hollywood and movies that fascinates me as a non-racist because the gag is that he's, he's an Arab. That is the entire yeah. gag is the fact that he yeah. exists and he is an Arab there, there's no like bit with him. There's no like, no. like actual joke, right? It's supposed to be but funny because he's from that, another country. Like that's fascinating. That Arab. It doesn't, they're not even really doing like a racist joke. Like they're not making that's him the, like, no, that's the thing that I mean. Or whatever. Like, that's the thing yeah. that I mean with it because there are like the things where, right? Like, oh, like we're taking the piss out of this other race and we're being super racist and it's funny because they're dumb and, you know, but whatever. It's not doing that really. No, this, but this is the other part of like racism that's like, I just, it does fascinate me to a certain degree because yeah. it's like you write this. It's like, Oh, this is going to be a funny character. And the only thing about him is that he's Arabic. Like that's it. There's nothing yeah. else to the character. And like, he's rich and he like throws money at people. Like there's nothing to it. Like you're supposed to laugh at that. Like they wrote that with the intention of you laughing, but there's no joke. Yeah. The, there's the no only joke. other thing he does, he offers the woman like a gold ring for like, instead of like 20 bucks or something yeah and then he flirts with her too but everyone in the every guy in this right. flirts with and he's like woman. i'll be back for but, you you're gonna be like have you ever been i guess like the one thing is like he asked the woman if you've ever been part of a harem which i guess is uh, yeah actually yeah. kind of racist but like but that's the thing like most of him in this movie is just like he's funny because he exists like it just fascinates yeah. me that that's the case it's very strange it's very strange it doesn't play up anything no. about it. Like, yeah. It's, On the other hand, the, the Japanese, Japanese characters, team. which is are a little, different story. Yeah, they're introduced on like a very clearly Japanese version of the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, to yeah. the point where they're like the Japanese guys, like here's Johnny, and they have a computer car, which basically is like you know the ultimate car that has like like bunch of different switches that can like drive on its own and has infrared and everything like that. And, uh, now, um, and this, I, I think is also an interesting thing of the time. Uh, I was talking to my parents a little about this, but like, it's so weird to us because now, you know, Japanese cars are so common, but that there, there was an actual like kind of, kind of xenophobia in America about, Japanese cars mm -hmm. instead of buying American cars. Right. And I wonder if this was playing into it a lot because the whole gag is like, yeah, it's this tech future car. It's got all this technology in it. It's got like infrared. It has a VHS player. Okay. I got to talk about this. I got to talk about the yeah. VHS player. So but oh, the, yeah. kind of the gag is like, it has a lot of technology, but it also screws up a lot. That sort of thing. Yeah. Which is funny, too, yep. because, again, if you're looking at the early 80s, that's going to be right at the start of the Japanese technology boom. Because, yeah, yeah. right, like, the 80s is where that becomes a thing, where you get, like, you know, Nintendo mm -hmm. comes into play, the Japanese cars, the Japanese computers, the Japanese, like, 
and that's when that that's a big deal, especially going yeah. into the later eighties. So this is kind of a, it's, it's an interesting point to bring up, that that's kind of the start of it. And yeah, they drive the only Japanese car in the movie. They drive yes. a, a Subaru. Yes. And again, it kind of like, it has a lot of cool technology that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't, but okay. Yeah. There's, there's, Cause again, they don't have a ton in the movie, but and it does play the racist music you would think of. Oh every yes, single of course. Yeah. On screen. Again, like it's just, that's like the, that's what was going to happen. Yeah. Unfortunately. But one, the one joke that really made me like, what am I watching? Right. So oh, yeah. at one point they're kind of just driving along and they're kind of like one guy's kind of bored. Right. So he, he has a VHS player, like, a, like an early age era VHS player. And he inserts a tape and it plays the film behind the green door. And I had never heard of this movie before I had uh, seen it. And basically, I feel like you're watching it without the context of what the actual movie is. You basically realize, oh, he's like starting to watch like a, 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 les- a lesbian porn. Like that's the yeah. thing where it's like, it's like that there's a narrator and there's like breasts coming down and there's like, you know, no, that she's getting the sensation that no man has ever given her from like a woman or something like that. And then the other guy catches like, what are you doing? Like, stop watching that. And then I had to look this up, right? Because I'm doing research. I'm trying to like, is this a real thing? It leads me on to this whole rabbit hole where I found out beyond the, behind the game door is like one of the seminal, like legitimate pornography films of all time. And not only that is an instrumental part of, and I kid you not, there's a Wikipedia page about the golden age of porn and I'm not porn shaming <laughs> anybody. Like I'm very, Hey, if that, if that gets you off, man, good for you. As long as it's all contentious, consensual and stuff like that. Good you know, support sex workers. Right. But it's just like, all of a sudden I'm just like, okay, so they're watching like this seminal seventies porno. They're, driving, the by they're, the way. Driving, they're driving in this car. car. And it's just like, they're just presenting it. And this is again, where they're like weirdo, like it's kind of a family film, but all of a sudden then we're referencing this porn movie, you know, which and, then I, and of course and then, causes them to go off road. We're caught off road, which then I'm like, okay, yeah. this is the second time I've had to talk about this sort of thing because in King Kong, 1976, they referenced deep throat. Because Jessica Lange's character was going to be in the next movie of the Deep Throat guy. Like, the fuck <laughs> is going on with these pornos? It's crazy. Just I love pornos it. In everywhere. Listen, like the 70s were like, again, the height of pornography, you know, pre Pornhub. You had to go to the theater to see your porn. Or or have a souped up Subaru. With Apparently. A yeah. So we, those are kind of the, the minor teams and what they do throughout the movie. And then, like, yeah, we talked about the Lamborghini girls. You just see them every once in a while. They're Yeah, they're I mean, down at this top. point, you know what the bits are. Right. But that's it for everyone. Aside uh, from the doctor, who we should get into. Right. So the whole thing, too, is that there's also a kind of villainous character. Yes. Um, a, a environmentalist, a, a kind of representative of Washington, Arthur J. Foyt who he's basically trying to be like, cars are bad. Like he's introduced as like, he's the guy that, that passed legislation to stop electric toothbrushes from being taken up too much energy. Like, and this whole thing is like, Hey, like we appreciate that you marched to stop with uh, colored toilet paper to like, you know, 
save the environment or whatever, but the real villain in their cars, then he happens to come across the cannonball. And so he's going to try chasing him. He brings in Farrah Fawcett, who, he, who he's attracted to, like, again, because she's a woman. Yeah. Like, his introduction to her is, like, uh, he, like, says titties. That's I was confused. He says yes. titties. And then he's like, oh, you, you, you must have been excited to see me speak today. And then she's like, no, I like trees. Like, that's literally their introduction. He's like, yeah. oh, you have boobs, even though she's not really showcasing them. But it's just like, you're a woman, you have boobs. You must be excited to see me. No, I like trees. I'm here for the trees. But then she is following him. Right. Yeah. And she's kind of like. Until gets, she's kidnapped. Right. And then the other thing is that back with uh, Burt Reynolds and um, uh, Dem DeLuise, their whole thing is that Dom DeLuise can't find a doctor. The, the first doctor he got was his shrink and he couldn't do it. The second doctor called out sick. And so Burt Reynolds is like, this was actually a pretty fun, like, again, like just the, the camaraderie between the two. Where he's yeah. like, Burt Reynolds is like, go where doctors hang out. Where do they hang out? Bars. Oh, yeah. Golf Bars, courses. Golf. And then Don Dewey is like, what about hospitals? Check there too. Like that's what yeah. <laughs> uh, But eventually he comes back. He's like, I did. Okay. I found a doctor. And like, you're going to be upset. Don't be mad. Basically. Right. And we get Dr. <laughs> Dr. Van, uh, Nicholas Van Helsing. Yep. Um, who's played by legendary Western actor, Jack Elam, who was noted for his, um, his misaligned eye. And he's basically like, kind of like, he's a creepo proctologist. He's just a crazy so, doctor. Basically. He's a crazy creepo proctologist, but he's the doctor. He's the only ones they got. And eventually yeah. they, they kidnap uh, Farrah Fawcett to be their patient. And the doctor like drugs them. They get pulled over by cops. And the, the doctor, doctor drugs himself as well. The doctor, like he proves like, see, prove it doesn't hurt by drugging yourself. And he's like, I do it all the time. He's still like nervous about it. He kind of bricks himself. He's like, I'm great. And then, yeah. he, but he proves his worth because like. Now cops, this is maybe my favorite scene in the movie when mm -hmm. the cops pull them over. Right. And this, again, this is based off an actual incident that they had on the 79 race. So very much a lot of this is very similar to what happened where but they get pulled yeah, over. The, the cops are saying what, like you're flying down this road. The nearest hospital isn't for 50 miles. Right. Like, like where are you going? And the, they say they're going to to UCLA, to California. Yes. Right. Um, and it's like, we got to get her there in 72 hours. You know, and she's got yeah. this crazy, like whatever disease. And he's like, why, why didn't you fly? And I'm, and then Luis is like, why didn't we fly? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. And then and the then, doctor comes out and then basically like bullshits like the way that they, they didn't fly. Like the doctor who's been crazy the whole time comes off as like completely lucid. And right. like, yeah. And it's like he's been, you know, he's like kind of like, you know, been like, you know, you know, being creepy and gross and weird. But like he comes across as like, well, she has this very specific, you know, pulmonary thing in the lungs. And but we if we get her the press. The pressure from the airplane would like like we can't even drive through Colorado because the air pressure yeah. is too high, and so the cops eventually like kind of let them go, you know, basically like you know, like can you go go a little bit slower type of thing, uh, but it's again it's a well put together scene enough, you know, uh, and it's yeah. just funny that it's funny that the doctor kind of gets there and you know she's been drugged so she's kind of doesn't know what the hell's going on with them, um. And the, I guess the other significant thing that happens with them is their incidents with the, the, the fake priests with Sammy Davis Jr. and yeah. Dean Martin, where again, a sign of the times where like 
Dom DeLuise is like, hey, a couple of priests are trying to pull us over. We should, we, you know, they're trying to bless us. You know, so they want to, to bless us. They want to bless us. It's quite a leap of a leap of logic yes. that you're taking that they would e even be tempted by this. But. Yes. Well, Dom DeLuise is, Burt Reynolds is really not, but like, yeah. his Burt Reynolds response is like, you know, he's like being like, they're driving a Ferrari, you know, I'm they're driving, like driving a Ferrari. Ferrari. What have you yeah. seen priests driving a Ferrari? And then his other thing is like, you know, that one priest is black and the Dom DeLuise has to explain, oh, right. no, there are black priests now. There's actually like black cardinals, which I'm like, sign of the times. Yeah. Like Dom yeah. DeLuise basically is like, Dom DeLuise is like the guy on Twitter is like, you know, there, you know, there are actually black priests now. You know that, right? Like, yeah. you know, don't, no need yeah. to be racist. There are black priests, but eventually they like pull over, they bless them. But, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. lets the air out of the tire, flat tire, everything like that. Eventually they have to get everything fixed. They run across them again in Missouri, which is one of this, one of the scenes in the film that made me go like, what the hell's going on here? Where yeah. they pull in the gas station and they're like doing a thing in the, in the cop. And they come across a cop. And Burt Reynolds, like, leans over and he sees, like, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin are, like, kind of right behind him. And he turns to the cop. He's like, do you take the law and order seriously in this town? The cop's like, are you kidding me? And he points to a big banner. And the banner's like, vote, like, vote. Uh, like, it's like, Sam Killakami Hernan, like, Harris for yeah. re-election. <laughs> and it's like, the only thing. You know, the only thing we need are guns to kill the commies. Like, basically, that's the sign. And I was like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, but then they basically tell the cop that, like, hey, those two priests are, like, you know, flashing pedophiles people. Pedophiles or whatever. They're or, pedophiles. Yeah. And, like, the reason that girl's in this car is that they flashed her. And, and yeah. then, of course, they get, uh, you know, they get, they get taken by the cop, right? Because the cop's like, I can't wait to beat them up, which is, like, essentially like you know not a good thing not yeah not a good thing not 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 aged well at all especially no. with sammy damis jr in that car no well, exactly i was mostly glad that it didn't play into that at yes. least right yeah <laughs> like that was not a factor at yeah. least that they showed but yeah um and then things all kind of lead to a very strange scene with a biker gang right so um basically uh all the teams sort of coalesce get stuck in like a uh they get stuck from construction crews that construction crews have blocked yeah. off the road and they're all kind of together like in this area waiting for the construction crews to go and they've all kind of caught up with each other when um peter fonda shows up and this is explicitly a self-reference slash parody of his previous character in the 1966 film, The Wild Angels, which was a big 60s biker gang movie. And he essentially starts a big, big, big silly brawl with all the teams yeah. fighting this giant Everyone fight gets thing. in a fight. Everyone fights the bikers. Yes. Everybody, and like everybody's like, there's slapstick, Jackie Chan does like his Hong Kong does like Jackie Chan does stuff. Jackie yeah. Chan stuff, right? Like we talked about the bond, like you know, Roger Moore gets involved a little bit. Yeah, he gets knocked out immediately. Right, he gets yeah. knocked out immediately. Um, everybody, everybody just gets involved and it's all silly, and people are like, um, 
you know, getting thrown in the windows and, you know, Captain Chaos shows up and starts kicking yep. everybody's we, ass. We see Camp Captain Chaos makes his Who has there. a backstory, by the way. The whole backstory with the Captain Chaos character is that Dom DeLuise's character was beat up as a kid by like nine people. And then he just one day turned into Captain Chaos and beat up all the baddies. Yeah. And there's this big like reference at the beginning of the movie too, when when Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, notices that like oh like that's Burt Reynolds' character over there isn't he like a legendary racer, and and then Dean Martin's like drunken character is like, it's the whale you have to watch. Once he transforms, there's nothing that's stopping him. It's the bloated one you have yeah. to watch. And so basically that's what happens. Everybody's getting this fight. The road's been cleared. And Captain Chaos takes control of the ambulance and is basically like speeding down to victory. Like he's he's chasing it down. The road's cleared. Everybody's kind of on their way to the finish line. And it's basically coming down to a foot race. Very classic end of yeah. a race movie thing where it's like it's right out of, you know, Ricky Bobby took this right out of the playbook. It's basically <laughs> yeah, like it turns it's it, him and one of the Lamborghini girls. Right. And everybody else is kind of right behind them. But it's basically down to Captain yeah. Chaos and one of the Lamborghini girls. Captain Chaos hears a woman screaming, help my baby. He runs off to save the baby, which turns out to be a dog. The Lamborghini girl punches in first and the Lamborghini girls are your winners of the cannonball run. Yes. And the movie the ends, movie's not quite over yet, though. Right. The movie ends on two kind of different gags. One is that yes, Burt does. Reynolds, um, you know, approaches Captain Chaos slash Don and, and he's pissed. He's pissed. He's like, what do you have to say for yourself? Like, you, we realized you could have won that race. And it's like, I saved your dog. And it's like, well, I never really wanted to be Captain Chaos anyway. I truly wanted to be. Captain USA and he literally like ducks off screen and appears on screen in like a dumb Captain America outfit and uh, ev- everyone's happy everyone's like just starts like, laughing everybody's like ha, 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 ha. <laughs> but even Burt Reynolds who like the implication is like oh Captain Chaos has ruined this for us yes like and that he's mad but then he's just happy it's like he's it's like, like okay. it's, it's his buddy you know it's like one of those yeah. things like at the end of the day I can't be mad at my buddy he just wants yeah. to be Captain America, which actually is funny because, like, that's what Dom DeLuise says in the in the bloopers. Blooper, yeah. He actually calls himself Captain America, and everybody loses their shit. Um, yeah. I love blooper reels, by the way. I miss blooper reels. I, I no, okay. A fun fact from this movie: uh, Jackie Chan always included them in his American comedies because of how much he loved the blooper reel and Cannonball Run. Yeah, blooper reels are just fun, dude. Right? Like. And I like, I liked like, you know, the old, like when Pixar would animate those bloopers, those were always fun. Like blooper reels are just oh, yeah. fun. They should be more bloopers at the end of movies. But the real end of the movie gag is uh, Arthur J. Foyt, who's had a horrible time chasing these guys across the country. They, you know, he's been like pinned in a, in an airport telephone booth. He's been run off the oh, yeah. road. He's been, he's just been the, he's been taking the ringer out of him. He finally like gets here and it's like, you all, I'm going to get you all, all that sort of stuff. And then Roger Moore uh, invites him into his car because the whole movie we mentioned, he's teasing like, oh, the girls don't all want to touch, don't, yeah. don't touch that specific cigarette lighter because like all the girls want to smoke with him. And he's like, oh, no, don't do that one. We don't want you leaving just yet. And so he invites him in the car to use this. Hey, relax, have a smoke, have a cigarette lighter. And he's... uh He's in the car and, and Foyt is smoking. Uh, and by the way, it's it, again the the end of the gag with the 
the, that Farrah Fawcett can't remember Foyt's name is that like everybody else remembers Foyt's name, which yeah. is like with what's his name and everybody like every other racer like Burt Reynolds, Terry Bradshaw, Sammy, everybody's like Foyt. Anyways, uh, Foyt lights up the cigarette, and nothing happens, and like everybody's like, what, what, what's the big deal? Like, cause, cause, cause Roger Moore's like, oh, oh, wait till he, wait till he gets a load of that. And he's like, hmm, that's odd. You use that cigarette lighter? Let me try. And then eventually throws him up. He gets the ejector seat. It goes right into the ocean. And that's yep. how the movie ends. Yep. And that's the movie. That's the, that's cannonball, the cannonball run. run. That's the cannonball run. Um, Huge success at the box office. Yeah. So um, uh, so basically, uh, Cannonball Run, just to get into this aftermath, a little portion. Releases on June 19th, 1981, as we mentioned, a week before For Your Eyes Only uh, releases in the United States. Um, it becomes the sixth highest grossing movie in the U.S. of 1981, um, even above uh, For Your Eyes Only, just in the U.S. Worldwide, uh, For Your Eyes Only beats it by about $30 million. But in the U.S., it was a top six, excuse me, six highest grossing movie. And like, just to put that in perspective, by the way, just to put that in perspective of like, what else, what was the top five that year, Kenny? It was Raiders of the Lost Ark on mm-hmm. Golden Pond, Superman 2, Arthur, and Stripes. So that's like what a, a year. That's like a big set of films and a lot of money making films there. And Cannonball Run was up there. And it's only a testament to, again, you know, Burt Reynolds stardom and, 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 and the general big ensemble cast too. But like Burt yeah. Reynolds was like the, the reason you go to this movie. Um, but yeah, th- this was a, a massive box office hit. Right. So in, in terms of that, it, it made um, 72 million in the United States and uh, 160 million worldwide. Also, apparently it was very popular uh, in Japan, a very popular film uh, among Japanese audiences. Uh, which I it find. was not popular though among critics. No, this movie got ravaged uh, by the critics. Uh, again, on on sort of that old school Rotten Tomato scale, about thirty three percent, right? Like not well reviewed at all. This movie was torn apart by the critics. Um, Fair Fawcett was nominated for a Razzie, which I've I've definitely lowered my opinion on the Razzies over the years, but it's still notable that like yeah. that's it's just the reaction to the movie is that you know just nobody thought it was fun. Are funny and um well the the critics all thought it wasn't right audiences loved it audiences loved again it, but, also yeah. very popular in the american south which was again Mito neilman's uh bread and butter uh audience mm-hmm. was like kind of the american south very popular over there it's still a cult film among uh, people in the south uh it still has a little bit of a cult status as well just among just general film audiences just mostly for its cast and sort of the the cars and just the concept is something that a lot of people are drawn to. Um, uh, it, there, there is a sequel. There are two sequels, actually, by the way. Oh, uh, oh okay. So, oh, you're right, yeah. Yeah, so the Cannonball Run 2, uh, which I, honestly was a little... doesn't bring Needleham back, but um, basically brings back the majority of the cast. Not everybody, but a majority of them. The Lamborghini Girls are recast because, of course, they are. Um, and that one is like the basically like the chic basically is like, I need to win the cannonball, so I'm going to make my own cannonball. So it's a race across, like, you know, his his turf and stuff like that. Um, and there's a third one that's called Speed Zone, 
AKA cannonball run three speed zone, which has such little connection to cannonball run. The only character that's referenced at all in that movie is the Sheik, which of course the Sheik is the one that kind of remains that's consistent so on all weird. three. And by the way, continues to be played by a very white guy. So don't forget that. Um, and so basically this, the, 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 the first one is the only one that's really ever talked about or, 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 remembered and it's the yeah, only one I, that has that cause cult status two and three well three again is like it's called cannonball run three i think in like japan and it's technically a part of the cannonball run universe but like it's called speed zone they basically did not really advertise it as a cannonball i don't run think any movie. of the like writers or directors no no involved. not at all i think actually it's a lot of involvement from the sctv team like john candy's in the third one stuff like mm. that uh, but the the second one also didn't really have any involvement other than the cast and uh, is more readily available though in terms of streaming. Like the infamously, yeah, we should talk about this, this maybe movie when we decided it, to watch this. Yeah, not available really anywhere. Uh, you have to you buy the old school DVD. You can't rent it anywhere. I yep, I went to a store and bought a used DVD of it. Yeah, I ordered mine from Amazon, like kind of a used copy as well. It's essentially down to the fact that the main production company on this is that Hong Kong uh, company, uh, Golden Harvest. And that just makes the release of this movie very weird and, and wonky in terms of that. Because even the DVD, it's through like HBO media, right? Like it's, yes. it's through like HBO more than anything yeah. else. Uh, though it does have a commentary. I was very impressed. Very yeah. impressed that it has a commentary. Uh, I don't know if I'll listen to it, but I'm very, very impressed that it does. Um, as kind of a last thing to say, uh, just because, you know, the main two focus of this movie are how Needham and... Um, Burt Reynolds, Hell Needham essentially kind of did a couple more films after this, but essentially kind of retired from directing by and tried to focus on breaking the land speed record, which unfortunately he failed to do during his lifetime. And this was sort of the beginning of the end for that big streak of Burt Reynolds successes, because the next year he does have another success in the best little whorehouse in Texas. But post 1983, was a very big string of bad, bad box office flops for Reynolds. And he kind of, his stardom very quickly lowered uh, as we got into the later 80s. But this was really kind of right at the end of his peak as like the Hollywood actor, the Hollywood star, which is kind of, again, crazy to think about because people don't really think about Reynolds in that way, especially like film people, I think. But like he was like a certified box office bonanza, you know, like that's who he was. And and it should yeah. be noted that he was one of the great stars of the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, and then Roger Moore, of course, as we mentioned, would go on For Your Eyes Only would be next, and then... Uh, yeah, so For Your Eyes Only would release the next week to great yes. success. Again, he intended to leave, but was pulled back for Octopussy and eventually viewed to a kill as well. Um, and, and his the legacy is interesting because we talked about this a little bit in the Roger Moore episode, but it's really interesting with Moore because... Bond was really at the end of his career. Like he had a very lengthy television career prior to Bond, right? Like he was a perennial television actor and he did those, you know, five seasons of the Saint or whatever. And then like, once he does like Bond, like he does a couple of her, he does like a war picture here and there, but really it's like the Bond movies and like this are really like his significant things that he's done. You know, yeah. In his movie career. Cause like, once you get to like, you know, he does the two Bond films and then he like, you know, makes a cameo in Spice World. Really, like that's like his pop culture yeah. status. But like, you know, Connery, you know, we know Connery had a lot of hits after his time. 
Um, same thing, you know, Brosnan's been on the comeback recently in terms of film. Yeah. And even, you know, of course, Dalton only had the two and like he has like great stuff like the Rocketeer after that and yeah. stuff like that. But more essentially, like he did do a smattering of these other films, but it's really not a lot. If you look at his filmography, it's really like once he what Bond's at the tail end of his career, it's just interesting to see him kind of outside that Bond context, even in that Bond context in this movie. Yeah, he doesn't really get that chance to kind of stretch his wings, but that's partly because he was so good at playing Bond in his way that it's like hard I to have, imagine him in other I ways. have changed my opinion so much on I, I would say the de facto opinion for a lot of people is that he's like the worst bond or like he, he plays a sillier bond yeah. than we're used to. Yeah. I have grown to really love his James Bond. Me too. Me too. And I think it's also because like Moore was a genuinely good guy. Yeah. Uh like seemingly you know he did a lot of stuff with UNICEF and Yes, though the one caveat to that is like he, he had some problems merrily throughout his life, you know. But he was sort of a if you look into it, he was sort of a serial adulterer. Unfortunately, that's like the one thing you can kind of say. But in terms of like he gave a lot back with UNICEF and just like again with the fandom, and he always really loved being Bond and playing yeah. Bond, and he such respected the the time he had as Bond. Um, and again, we've seen the stories of like him, like treating people like as Bond and like kids and stuff like that. Like, I, I love those stories. They're and so I, I, I think it's like at the end of the day, like he was such a unique Bond. And over the years, I've had the same thing that I have kind of felt like, hey, like he's a lot better than, you know, any of us give him credit for. Especially because like when you get to like Spy Who Loved Me is amazing. Moonraker is amazing. Three hours only is amazing. Right. Yeah. And like even like. Like his one really like not great performance is View to a Kill, and that's like when he's just way he's just like way too old he's to be too old. Apart. And right. it, the the movie's quality is not solely on him. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, no, it was kind of fun to revisit him in in this sort of context. And again, like this is a perfect example of what makes more more. There, he had no qualms of kind of self parodying or like you know playing this kind of foolish version of himself or like yeah. someone pretending to be himself the i'm sure he was having the time of his life just like being like just this silly movie oh yeah so uh, i had a question for you nick yes if you now they, there is a remake suppose that warner brothers has the rights to a remake of yes. this if you were casting a remake who's in it oh. if you want the star-studded cast like well, I think you've got to do a similar thing. Like, you've got to get, like, a big box office guy, right? Like uh, the, the Rock is the first thing that came to mind. Right. I think you need, like, kind of, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a Rock and, like, get, like, a, like a hey, like, you know, I, I know it's been done, but, like, a Rock and Kevin Hart type, like, like something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Or like, yeah. or, or, like, do something like, you know, Rock, like, or bring back Rock and Emily Blunt, honestly. I was like, thinking Rock and Emily Blunt would they, be They nice did good pair. chemistry in Jungle Cruise. They really did. They did. Uh, I feel like if you know this probably would never happen. No, it, you know what? It could happen if you were gonna do like a Roger Moore type casting in this movie. Get me Tom Cruise as an Ethan Hunt knockoff in this film. Like that would be now, super see, fun. I was thinking about that too. Is it, if I'd rather have that because I do love that, or Robert Downey Jr. playing like Iron Man or Tony Stark. Anyway. That would be funny too. Like I could see that being fun. I think you, you, the one thing you would really think, I, I do think you need like a Sammy Davis Jr. slash Dean Martin type casting 
where you get yeah. like these two legendary older like actors type of thing like back together again you know something like that like that yeah, could be like who would be a good combo for that right but... like you know it's just it's just kind of hard to think about because it depends on like who is there you know i i who, could who's also... your sports star in it who's your terry bradshaw oh boy um let me say that's a that's a good question it's just again it kind of depends because you can get the recently retired person like what you got to get like you know I think, you know, what would be funny if you did this in a couple years, like you got like, if you got like bionic man, Tom Brady to kind of play like Tom Brady is what I was thinking. Or what'd be funny is if you could somehow get a car of LeBron and Steph, LeBron and Steph would honestly get me a car of, of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, just like being fools with each other. Or, Oh, Tom Brady and Gronk also is Tom Brady and Gronk. Or just get like, or just get all the get all the Manning brothers together. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and get like this whole this whole gag of like Eli like being like in the shadow of Peyton, who's like the coolest person. Like that would yeah. be funny. <laughs> that would be funny too. That um, would be. Yeah, don't don't do any racist things though. Like I don't think we need. No, I don't think we need a version of the Japanese team. Um, the <laughs> no, one thing, the so. one thing that I would do in a remake, by the way, and I kind of thought about this throughout the movie. I would the one thing that a remake would do and I think you could have fun with is playing more to the fact that it's a cost country drive and to actually yes. like showcase like Show different, different parts, parts. Yeah. right like or like the maybe movie one, doesn't do anything with that no it's like basically like very nondescript areas and it's all like when they get to the desert at the end of the movie you're like oh they're almost at the end like you just it doesn't feel like that right like because they start yeah. and then there's lips up it's like hey we're in Missouri but there's like no other like markings of anything throughout the journey and so right. it would be nice to be like oh actually like oh hey we're going through chicago or hey we're going through north dakota here and again don't be like racist and like have like native americans or something but just showcase like the country and give us a little bit more sense of structure in that because i think yeah. that could help the movie out a little bit but I, I think this is a movie you could do and i think this is a movie that would you could get a lot of people in right like oh yeah. you know I think if like you definitely did this too, like, you know, not in the same style as like a, this is the end, but that kind of idea where like actors do want to have fun. Like that's the case. Like actors do want to have fun. And if you give actors plans to make fun of their own personas or like kind of play aspects of them, maybe make them a little deeper than one note. Like, I think you could definitely get a really good cast for this. You know, I think you could. I think so too. You know, like if you got like a weed James Franco Seth Rogen car, right? Like, yeah, like you could just you could easily see that, like just have them play their characters from Pineapple Express. Like that's all yeah. you need to do. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. and 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 then just give them little things to do and like incidents with the different teams. And it's always fun to see like who like you end up winning. Right. It's like the same thing. in like, you know, stuff like Mad 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 World and Rat Race stuff. It's like, yeah, like the winner doesn't matter, but there is always this kind of thing of like, oh, who's actually going to win the thing, right? And you can have some fun yeah. with that too. So I think I think this would be ripe for another another shot at this. Yeah, I, I definitely I think, think so. you can get away. Supposedly there's one in development, but yeah, we'll, we don't, we'll see. We don't know much about it, but uh, in early talks to direct was Doug Lyman. I mean, I could see it. Uh, I could see it. Look, I, Edge of Tomorrow, I loved Born Identity's yeah, great for sure. Mr. Mr. Yeah, Smith, so for sure. I yeah, can see it. Or just get like again, just get the Fast and Furious. That's the thing you need to do. You need to get like oh, you need to get like a Fast yeah. and Furious car. 
like and just do like the most like like most like it's that's actually the bond thing you could do is just do yeah. fast and furious like you're as, right like, you just as, have vin diesel uh, you just yeah. have vin diesel like just have vin diesel playing himself as like family you know do the yeah. fa- do the family meme in real life yep uh but that i think that just about wraps it up so kenny thank you so much for joining us today this was uh, a lot of fun i hope the yeah, audience enjoyed it yeah you're always a great guest and you know, sometimes it's just we might do these one-off things, you know. So, you know, uh, I've had ideas just, you know, maybe we'll look at like almost franchises or things that weren't gonna quite, aren't going to quite make it to like our main timeline. But, hey, you never know. I'm always down yeah. to do these things. So, Kenny, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm just yeah, going to plug. You. I'm going to plug one more time. Our September will will be back in September. We'll be talking about uh, Star Trek First Contact. We'll be getting into the Borg and more time travel. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. And then second half of the month, we will be doing our second franchise. Now that we've finished up King Kong, we are going to be talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, we're almost 20 years off of that first movie. And it's, it's going to be fun to look at a more modern franchise, I think, right? It's going to be one that kind of in that boom of 2000 franchises with, you know, Spider-Man and Lord of the Rings and, and Pirates where like that was almost where the seeds of what our cinema is today were set in that era. So it's going to be interesting to go through that original trilogy as well as kind of the two after the, the trilogy and see where those kind of faltered. So it's going to be a very interesting journey. Uh, with that, Kenny, do you want to plug anything or where they can find you or anything like um, that? I don't know if I have anything to plug. Um, I'm at Kenneth Barton seven on Twitter. That's the only thing I can think of. Uh, but yeah, it was great to be here again. Always a blast. And hopefully We'll be talking more Bond soon. All right. And just to plug the Bondzilla stuff, bondzillapod at gmail.com is our email, twitter.com slash bondzilla007, facebook.com slash bondzilla007. Like and subscribe, iTunes and SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening, guys. We'll be back next month. And with that, I think it's time for us to not drive across the country, um, but to wrap this up. So thanks again, Kenny. But to put in a VHS of some movie that uh, while I'm driving a car. Hopefully, I mean, are you going to go porno or not? I'm going to try to copy the experience of the Japanese drivers. All right. I will leave it at that. Take care, everybody. Captain Chaos.